Greetings, friends. It's Chapo, Monday, January 3rd, 2022. We are back in the New Year's groove. Gentlemen, how was your New Year's? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're, you're downtown, you're at Times Square, where everyone wants to be, you're listening to Dierks Bentley or in common, or if you're just you're just playing Mario Kart and drinking some Blue Moons, but you put on some suits because it's New Year's. It's still New Year's. Another year, another year gone, another year ahead of us. I think it's going to be a good one. And joining us for today's program is friend of the show from the Episode 1 podcast. It's Andrew Hudson in the trap. Andrew, welcome. Thank you for having me, boys. It's good to be here. I was in Detroit for New Year's for my oldest brother's wedding. Congratulations. And that was wonderful. Thank you. It looked great. Yeah, I think uh, weddings are kind of just, you know, easy swag. Yeah, it's pre-made swag. Like, they even pick out an outfit for you. Mm-hmm. If, you're friends, if you're friends with the right people at the wedding, yeah. they make a swag outfit for you. Unless you're a girl, and then they take your swag away. Were all the Hudson men uh, groomsmen for this event? Uh, only two of us. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> because he has like to be friends as well. He has friends, so... <laughs> <laughs> Not too big, but it was big enough, so it was good. But um, I didn't, you know, I didn't get laid. I didn't kiss anyone. Everyone said I have to fucking leave the wedding early, and they kicked me out. <laughs> said I was a pussy. <laughs> they ripped my bow tie off. But otherwise, sounds a, a success, a, a wonderful starting gun for this uh, wonderful new year that we're all going to experience. Um, but no, uh, Andrew. Uh, we want to get you on the show because uh, like a, a few weeks ago, uh, before the new year, uh, you posted a video uh, regarding you um, quitting your job. And uh, I thought it was a very interesting and moving video. But, you know, for those of you who uh, don't know, uh, Andrew Hudson is not just the man of a thousand characters on the E1 podcast. He is also a nurse or were a nurse. I'm still a nurse. <laughs> I just don't I didn't, work like, at You the didn't hospital. have to throw your license at, at the your boss, like throw on his desk. Like you know, my nurse manager, yeah, she's like, "I want your badge." I mean, normally <laughs> they do ask for your badge, so you can't like go back to the hospital and sneak and be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go into the Pixis and take a wee bit of fentanyl, a little bit of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you know, just have a good time." They make and, you turn in your feelers. You right. can't let a civilian have those. I would love to see someone wearing feelers as a fucking job. That'd be so. I think I'm going to start wearing chunky feelers so people think I'm a healthcare hero. Kirkland Court Classics. Just walk around those white on whites all the time. Well, I mean, I, uh, before we get into it, though, I think we should uh, take this moment to um, thank medical. Thank medical, the healthcare Agreed. hero, the medical, medical goat. <laughs> blessed medical, Andrew Hudson. But, uh, I mean, I guess, like, uh, so leading up to uh, your decision to uh, uh, leave your job, uh, I mean, you were a, a nurse, a frontline healthcare worker uh, during the height of COVID. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could, uh, I don't know, just share a little bit about what that was like or maybe what people uh, don't know or the people who are always, where people are always invoking healthcare heroes, right? Clapping yeah. and pans together. Yeah, they them. loved it. They loved this yeah. last year. And then this year, they all wanted to kill us. So I, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a flip-flop. Like, what were, what were we supposed to do? But yeah, I was um, working in Detroit. I worked at a hospital in Detroit um, last year when COVID started. And, um, and it was much bigger. It was like a 600-bed hospital. The one I just left was like 128 beds. So significantly smaller. But um, I worked on a cardiac step down unit in Detroit, so it's little. It's higher acuity than a normal like med surge floor, but um, people a little bit more sick. So you'd have like four patients is usually what we'd get. Sometimes I'd have five. But um, during COVID, when it first started in March last year, that whole hospital for like three months was all COVID. There was like two units out of those six hundred beds that were just like a a clean unit, and even those those were not clean. They would slip through. So we had like just full beds. Everyone was just COVID. And it was just like kind of the Wild West at the time because I'm reusing gowns, you know, for shifts or like using the same gown for the whole shift for every patient. Um, if I actually got an N95, I'd have to use that for like three shifts in a row, you know. So we were all like rationing our gear. But even before that, like in March when it started, we were like wearing our masks and stuff and they're 
management and administration would be like, don't wear the masks in the hallway. It's going to scare people. And we're like, <laughs> fuck you. No, we're going to wear our masks. And then it, it had to be like, you know, obviously we have to wear them all the time. There's a lot of flip-flopping like that. And it'd be like by the day, by the hour. So we were like, we don't even know what we're supposed to do. We don't know what our policies are. Doctors would be afraid to come to the units, so I would just call them and tell them what I wanted and what I needed. I'd just like boss around all these residents <laughs> because they weren't coming up there. <clears throat> I was still giving people Plaquenil then. Plaquenil and zinc. We were just throwing shit at the wall and seeing if it stuck. So I think people thought that we weren't like using that at all, but we did because we were like, well, we'll see. You know, we got to see if it, something works. How did the experience of like, how did your job change like pre and post uh, vaccinations being available? Well, I've been, I got vaccinated last December. I was the first person on my unit to get it. And I had some coworkers, a lot of them were like, you're going to get it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to all get it eventually. Um, I will say I like, wanted to talk about that just for a second, because with vaccines, um, obviously nurses, we have to get a shitload of shots and vaccines just to get into a nursing program. So we all get shots, but before the COVID vaccines, the quickest one that was made was for mumps, and that took about four years. So we were all we didn't expect there to be one last year at all. But then there's the factors of, I mean, everyone focused all the manpower and resources on that research and getting them made. That's one. All these big, you know, farm companies being like, we want to be the ones to get this shit made. And then also I had the science explained to me, and I was like, oh, okay, well, it makes sense. So, but I, I understood kind of last December, even nurses being like, I don't know, like, I'm kind of skeptical. Like, is this, is this just Pfizer, you know, getting a big grip of money? Like, we have reasons to not trust Pfizer. And I'm not like saying that as like, miss, like, but they've had their issues in the past. We all know this. Like, pharmaceutical companies aren't exactly like fully transparent with the shit they do. So at that time, I kind of understood my coworkers being skeptical, but I was like, I mean, I'll be the guinea pig. And I was fine. Like, both shots did nothing to me, but um, it was, there was a lot of hesitation amongst nurses. But then everyone eventually got them. So the stuff about losing staff because all these nurses are secretly knocking the vaccination is just, it's bullshit. It's all made up. It seemed, it seemed like with hospitals, that was like way overblown. Like, definitely some nurses yeah. got fired, but it yeah. wasn't like, it, 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 yeah, it, it wasn't worth it to a lot of people to be like, no, I'm going to stand out. It's like if they're quitting, they were using that as an excuse because they're just sick of, you know, being overworked and underpaid. So with the vaccinations, I worked this year, obviously, in the ICU now. So I had a lot of people ventilated and people that died, and a lot of them were not vaccinated. The ones that were vaccinated that actually ended up in the ICU usually did okay. And I wouldn't even have them intubated. Um, I remember one, one patient of mine, he was vaccinated and in the ICU, but he was on biomeds, which suppress your immune system because he had MS. So it hit him a little bit harder. It, but he was just on the BiPAP mask, which is just like a CPAP, but it covers the mouth too. And that's usually the step before the intubation. So there's like a bunch of different ways we give oxygen and then it's BiPAP and then intubation. And that guy never got intubated. He did okay. What do you make of? I mean, I've been seeing I've been seeing this um, uh, this line crop up a lot recently, and it's the idea that um, all the people that are still uh, dying of COVID, it's not because they're unvaccinated; it's because they're fat, and that the real problem is fat people in America, and not um, the not vaccinated <laughs> or unvaccinated. Well, if you look at the data, now um, I don't know. I mean, granted, a lot of people that I had die and didn't do well that were ventilated were big. They were big people, people that were thirty. 34, 35 dying and they're bigger. I don't know if that was a correlation because they do have comorbidities, but um, I had bigger people that were vaccinated and they did okay. So I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> I think it's another excuse. They're just being like, oh, well, if you're not fat, I'm like, well, also a lot of Americans are fat. So <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly, that's exactly it. Like when they're like, um, if you, yeah, if you look at it, it's like only affecting fat people, which by like, you could arguably say that's like three quarters of the country, right? Yeah, if if, if it's something that is that is only affecting fat people, you might yeah, you're right. You might as well just be saying this is only affecting America. I want to ask all, I want to ask all those people define fat because the def definition of obesity is pretty. I mean, you, someone will be considered obese, and you go in the room, and they're like, "Oh, this person is small. They're tiny, but they're overweight." 
for their being like it's the BMI stuff is kind of annoying. I, I had a rather uh, unpleasant awakening about that, that when I got the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but it's, I, I, it's gonna yeah. affect the data, you know, because people are like, oh, these BMIs, these BMIs, it's like that's a whole different thing. I don't I don't know. I'm not a s I'm not a scientist. But if someone so think about how someone is big, right? And I would have patients I've had patients that are seven hundred and thirty pounds. Those people are hard to move from one. When they're ventilated and intubated, they're restrained and they're just laying there. And we'd have to, a lot of the COVID patients were proning them. So they're on their belly and then we have to swing them. So flip them to a different position a certain amount of times per shift. Um, if they're just laying there and then they're proned and they're that big. Yeah. It's going to be harder for their body to recover from everything. They can't get them up and walk them around and prevent like pneumonia and all those things that we normally can do because they just lay there. And they're on, um, with these bigger people especially, they're on, you know, fentanyl, they're on propofol, they're on Versed, which is a benzodiazepine. I'm maxing them out on these at the max rates, and they're still waking up and trying to extubate themselves. So we throw on a ketamine drip. So that's four sedatives they're on. Some of them are on multiple vasopressors, which keep the blood pressure up. If one of those stops, their blood pressure will tank. They're going to code and die. So you're constantly going in that room and changing those bags out because a max out rate, a bag of fentanyl is going to be like 50 mLs. And when they're going at like 25 mLs per hour or more, that's really rapid. So a lot. So if the, one of those drugs runs out and they start waking up, you know, that's why we have everyone who is intubated is restrained. So they can't go whoop. Or we just paralyze them. So we put a paralytic on and then that helps a lot of people because their body kind of relaxes. It lets their lungs kind of stop resisting and they would do better with the paralytic for a little bit. And then once they get a little bit better, we could take out the paralytic and then hopefully wean them off of the sedation and extubate them and move them to something like a BiPAP or even better, you know? Yeah. Um, It seems like, it seems like, like I definitely believe that people with like, you know, severe weight problems would have a tougher go of this. Um, I mean that, that, you know, seems obvious, but again, it's like, it's a stupid argument for not caring about it because that's so many Americans, but it seems like, I mean, obviously like moving them, that's a pretty obvious problem that I don't think a lot of yeah, people would but, but think anyone about. Who's, yeah. Anyone who's intubated is not moving. So it's like, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what to think. And we've had patients, I've had people right. Their last words before they die was, I don't have COVID or give me the vaccine a little too late. Yeah, those had, are the ones who don't go to to Valhalla. You don't get the uh, handsome hamburger cheat, uh, party if you ask for a vaccine right before you die. You, nope, that's you like pussy. if you're a Catholic who kills himself. Guaranteed hell. <laughs> I like pull out a vaccine, like a syringe. I'm like, all right, but you're a bitch. You know that, right? Yeah, I'll that's save the, your life right now with this vaccine. That's the equivalent of being a Jew with a JD but didn't pass the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like, but yeah, it seems like I mean. For like a much bigger person, I mean, this is just like an extremely lay person's interpretation. But COVID definitely like it puts a lot of stress on your organs. But I also I don't know. I noticed a lot of like cops dying of it, and cops like outside of the high risk age range. Well, cops are one, notoriously healthy, so right. it's so strange. <laughs> right. Well, they do the healthiest thing, which is they take anabolic steroids and don't work out. And it just like it made me think like. They're probably like, even if they're not like, you know, morbidly obese or like, you know, high body. No, they fat, don't whatever. have to be. They don't right. have to be right. massive. Right. Someone they're, with diabetes is going to have a hard time fighting this as opposed to someone who doesn't have diabetes. And people will go in with all these things wrong with them that they didn't even know they had before COVID. Then they get hospitalized because of COVID. And it's like, oh, shit. Now you have all these other things. Uh, you see a lot of patients. You know, the COVID puts them in the hospital, but they're staying longer because these other factors are effect are getting affected and they're going to start declining and eventually go into like multi-organ failure. You know what? It's like even if they didn't have COVID, these are unhealthy people because they're Americans. Yeah, no. that, that Yeah. My, my issue with COVID, and I've said this before, is we had <clears throat> we've been in a health crisis long before COVID. When I was working in Detroit, I'm taking care of. Um, you know, most of my patients were black and a lot of them are, you know, poor, have diabetes, which they're more likely to get it, um, you know, being black because of what we've done to them 
and other minorities in this country. So you have a guy who's 32 and he has no legs and he's missing multiple fingers because he has diabetes and he can't control it. Someone that has insurance and a decent job has a difficult time with diabetes. My dad is a nurse practitioner and lost a toe this year <laughs> because he ignored a scrape on his toe too long. And he should he knows better and he should and he has the resources. Think about being a young black person in Detroit who has no resources, no way to get to appointments. They don't have a way to get their insulin. All, all these things that go into that complex disease are going to affect these things. And they're going to eventually have heart failure. Their kidneys are going to go. And diabetes, once it gets to a certain point, it takes everything and you die. Those people, are they would die young. And it would be like heartbreaking for me. I was like, like, what are we doing? You know, and it comes back to, you know, obviously needing universal health care and all this other stuff. So it's it's definitely like COVID is just like the catalyst for so much to me. It was just a cat- it's the same thing with the staffing problems. It's just a catalyst, like the the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Something something really interesting that you said to me earlier last year around kind of this time last year was that the feeling you got like having worked in Detroit and then in other places was that you felt like it was as if we lost a war, but the war had been lost decades ago and you were still seeing right. the consequences of it. Mm-hmm. L- like, cause we make money off of it still. Right. It's, every- it's like, it's literally like Afghanistan. <laughs> like, yeah. Like everything you just talked about with like just the consequences of like food deserts of like a lack of health infrastructure. Oh, community health issues are like a huge problem. Yeah. What are you going to tell? Are you going to tell some poor black mom who's raising multiple kids alone, works three jobs? Oh, you should garden. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. She's going to buy her kids McDoubles because they're cheap and they taste good because everyone loves McDonald's. And then that's all they're going to want to eat because that's what they're used to. And that's what they know. And that's what's available. I love McDonald's. So if like that's all I'm going to want, you do that for decades and decades and decades. And we've been doing this, obviously, for hundreds of years to minorities. I mean, Native Americans, Hispanics, they all have they're more likely to have like cardiac issues and a number of other things compared to, you know, like other uh, ethnic groups. And it's it's because of that we've displaced them and put them in poverty and they have to eat crap that's easy to make or easy to get. And it tastes good. That's just like, I mean one of the few things that's wrong, but I think that's what's it, what has happened is we've done this to them mm-hmm. and no one cares about it. Yeah. But uh, something you just said uh, before that about how people would come in and have this problem that they've had for decades and not realize it. It's another thing like, like very few Americans now have like a family doctor that they see like every three months or even once a year. And so it just, yeah, it seems like you probably saw a lot of people who just I don't even have health insurance right now yeah you know and Andrew to your point about um like the disparity and health outcomes and like divided by race in this country I learned a astonishing fact the other day that I like I had to look I didn't believe it but um black people in America have a higher rate of mortality from skin cancer than white people do and I was Mm -hmm. like I wasn't even aware black people even got skin cancer which is like the most treatable form of cancer but it's just a matter of like uh, not having access to a doctor to just Education be like, hey, should you take it? a look yeah. at this? Yeah. And then it'll like metastasize and it'll get to the point where it, it, you know, it is fatal, which is usually not the case in like, you know, most skin cancers that, you know, uh, I, I was aware of or whatever. Um, but yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like all these things like, I mean, talking about COVID in particular, like everyone has complaints or um, fixes or things that like, you know, should or could have been done. But look, to me, it just seems like overall, like the, the only real solution to any of this is a, a national health care system. And it should have been done 30 years ago. Right. And like, you know, I mean, if we could do it now, like maybe it'll save us like in, from the next pandemic. But like, it's just like the perfect confluence of like the inability of this country's health and political and social infrastructure to deal with any kind of collective problem like a, a respiratory spread viral pandemic. We had no plan. I knew last March, I told my coworkers in Detroit, I said, if we can't get gear that we need, if I can't get a mask to prevent myself from spreading this to coworkers or other patients while I'm taking care of a patient who I actively know as COVID, I know they have COVID and they're dying of it in front of me. If I can't get my gear, then what's the point of all the other, you know, things put into place, lockdowns and mask mandates? Like, what was the point 
if we can't do it like right there on that at the tip of no the sphere, yeah. Like either Trump should have done like a serious like two week martial law lockdown, but who knows? That probably wouldn't have even worked either. But that's like the the the, the degree they would have had to go to for us to not be fucked. But after that, I was like, no, we're screwed, and we are all like over everything at that point or by like the summer because if they're not helping us, then we're all just fucked. If they don't care about us, and that's kind of frustrating the past two years is you have people that i'm not going after other workers and stuff because it sucks that people have to work in grocery stores with all this shit going on but people would be like oh yeah i know how you feel i have to work in this i have to work in that i was like you it's not the same it's not close to me because they're like well these customers don't wear masks i'm like my patients have covid don't wear masks like what am i supposed to say but they would be like oh yeah it's so scary i was like you're not seeing the people die you're not watching them die. You're not ba- <clears throat> bagging people up every night or multiple times a night. Um, people don't understand that these patients, when they die, I have to call the coroner and give them a, hu- a full rundown of the pathology and everything that was going on with them and the cause of death. And then I have to call Donor Alliance, which is the donation organization that sees if they're qualified for being an organ donor. They would call me like... I had one time they called me like eight times in one shift and I gave the same information each time. So when someone dies, you have to do all that. You have to call the family and talk to them. You have to prep the body and bag it up. That's probably three to five hours of your time when you also have like two other patients that are probably also going to die too. (laughs) So like you're doing all this basically social work while trying to keep these people alive and change drips, talking to family on the phone, doing all this stuff. The doctors, I mean, I love my intensivists in the ICU, but even the doctors would be like, oh, yeah, you just fill out the information say the time of death. Like, I would declare the patient. All this stuff that we're doing, it's not the same as people working for UPS or being in the grocery store. I'm sorry. It, it's a different thing, but people don't know that because they can't see it. We can't film it, and you can't see what actually goes down. I wish I could have, like, a giant waiver be like, all right, for this shift, Every, all these patients get their shit released or whatever. We can film everything and show a whole shift. I got a GoPro on. Because like, people don't understand like what we had to do or what we do every day. And then the other thing with COVID patients is the ones that were really sick and need hospital beds, they're displacing other medical patients that don't have COVID who need care too. So we'd see those patients decline because they'd be displaced. They're not getting the treatment they need. They decline. They tank. They die too. So there's a lot of deaths that are related to COVID indirectly because those people got mistreated because of COVID patients taking up beds, which annoyed the shit out of me with people that won't get vaccinated. I'm like, you're, I'm looking at you, you cop. I know you're going to end up in a bed and you're probably going to die, but you probably wouldn't have been in that bed that long if you got a vaccination. And now that guy who needs that heart transplant is like dead too. So it's, it's just, it's a big clusterfuck. We don't know where to, we wouldn't know where to put patients, or we'd have to turn them away. Um, I have a a question about uh what you just said about uh you calling the coroner. Is that is, is that like standard that that is like? It I seems just, like it seems like there are a lot of things that they have nurses do that is well, yeah. it's kind of a consequence of it's, like just stretching stretching like one job into several, which we do with everything in this country, but like. It seems like especially hospitals, and it seems is that just like another thing that we let was yeah, it taking time bomb? Yeah, it's on us. I mean, we also have to ask the family, "Do you want an autopsy?" And we have to go through a bunch of other stuff with that. And it's like usually we know how they died, and we'll have the doctor. Like most of the time, they won't. They'll agree to no autopsy because we know why they die. But it's just another thing that's just like placed on us. It's time consuming. We're we don't have the time to do these things. And that's why, you know, I was just, I was actively helping kill people. You know, I, I've thought about this for two years. I've legally killed, you know, dozens of people, I feel like. People be like, no, it's not your fault. It's a system. But I'm like, yeah, but I'm the one that felt their pulse stop. I'm the one that watched them stop breathing. I'm the one that bagged them up. And I worked with them for three days and they were getting better. And then this happened. So they could say it's not my fault, but it, to me, will always feel like it was my fault. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I don't know how I would uh, carry that around with me. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like when when you were a nurse, I mean, like you see the reality of life and death every every day up close, and like you know, I mean, you, you are responsible for it, and you know, right. in, in the sense, and we that, know like, going well, into that dies, with that job, yeah. we know we have we know we're going to see people die in that job, but it was 
it's so much. And when you're, like I said, all that stuff that goes into what happens when someone dies, there's also things like if we do, oh, another funny thing is I would have to call the donation people if the people have COVID. I already know since they had COVID, they're not going to qualify and they won't take that patient, but they still make me go through all the steps. It's like, why the fuck am I doing this? You're wasting my time. So there's that. Or if they do qualify to be a donor and there's someone that's brain dead, we will declare brain death on someone who is, um, say, they're under cardiac arrest. They've been under CPR for too long. The longer you're, you're arresting, even if we get your pulse back and you're alive technically, your brain has lost so much, oh, <clears throat> so much oxygen. You become a vegetable. So there's ways we can test to see if there's any neural activity. When they're declared brain dead, we can still use all their organs, though. We can keep their body alive, and then we'll eventually turn them over to organ nurses who will come in and, and take over the treatment. Then they start hunting around hospitals around the country, around the world, being like, who, who needs these organs, essentially? So they'll take over. But that's a whole other thing, too, is transferring that patient over and working with those nurses. So it's, it's pretty complicated, and it's tougher when it's a weekend night and it's 3 a.m., and you're, like, the only one around. It, se- it seems like the the American hospital system has, like, everything that people, like, said Soviet bureaucracy had, but then just so many specific stupid American things. Like, the the, the filling out the form for uh, organ donation when you know they died of COVID, that's fucking insane. I, and I'd imagine there's, like, a million things like that that just no yeah, one knows Yeah, there about. is. Uh, I'll just I'll stay for the record here. If I die for any reason, and I'm including like plane crash in this, I want an autopsy done. I want I want I want I want all I want all the guilty parties. Uh, I want all the, I want everything identified, cataloged, and mm-hmm. the, guil- the guilty people punished. So you can sue me and get me fired. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I that's why I want to. I want when people would be like, "Oh, we want an autopsy." I'm like, "Why, Karen? <laughs> Your fat cop husband had a heart attack. That's what happened." <laughs> Uh, like people are gonna listen to this and think I'm like uh, inconsiderate or like not compassionate, but uh, it comes with the territory. All nurses talk like this, and while we're backing people up, we make pretty bad jokes. So I know it's like edgy and stuff. It sounds edgy, but I'm saying like that's the reality. I remember I think I made a joke on Twitter, and people were like scolding me about something, and I was like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, you're sitting at home whining about how you have trauma from working from home for a year." <laughs> Yeah, the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, no, you, Andrew. Andrew, it was me and you talking to each other, and we, yeah, we were talking about like euthanasia, and then all those like the everyone who like jumped off the porch to become Catholic when they were twenty five yelled at you. No, no, <laughs> what I said is that I, it's difficult trying to uh, convince a family sometimes to have like when they're the proxy to make them a full code into a DNR DNI. And then the that guy was like, make them. And I was like, all right, motherfucker. <laughs> Shut up. You know what I mean? He knew what I meant, too. Just being a little weepy scold. Life is sacred, blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, then you come tell me this person has a chance that some miracle is going to save them. when Their brain has nothing up there. Well, uh, another thing you mentioned um, in, in your video, and like uh, this is something that um, I've spoken to like other people I know in the nursing profession, which is, you know, a big thing that's happening right now in terms of like the job is this phenomenon of uh, travelers, uh, hospitals hiring essentially like yeah. uh, like fulfilling staff on like like short term contracts, but like they you know they're sort of like uh, you know flown in from like out of state or even out of country. And they end up working there for a short term, but are making like something like three to four times what the people who are right. like, actually employed in that hospital are making. Could you talk about that phenomenon? And like, I mean, like what that's like. I mean, is there anger towards these people, or is it just like, is it just a fact of the, the of the nature of the what what the hospitals and the medical uh, no sort of field we don't is like we right never now? have any we never have any anger towards them because I don't blame any of them leaving their jobs to go make some more money that they deserve to make. Um, so people will be like, they're scab nurses. And I'll be like, I mean, it's kind of different in my opinion. So those nurses, like there's not any like animosity towards them and they're all great nurses and I would be happy to help them. I had a lot of rough nights where we had to help each other. Um, they're like, I mean, they're any other nurse, but I don't think there are people like, I think at the outside, think of them like as scabs or something, like I said, but I don't, you don't view them that way. The frustrating part is when you're doing more work than them and you know they're making like three or four times more than you, it's frustrating because the full-time staffers should be getting that too, you know? The reason why 
travel nursing started was to incentivize people to go to rural locations so we would have nurses were nurses there which makes sense like it made sense but now it's everywhere in cities and with covid it's like the normal way to do it and i think the way it works is a hospital these travel agencies will get a big contract from a hospital and then they don't have to pay it's not permanent you know so they could pay these nurses then they're gone and I think over time, it'd be a lot cheaper to just pay your full-time staff and let them, like, you know, unionize. We, we all know that's the big no-no, especially when, I like, the hospital I just left was for one of the biggest health systems in America. It's a big private, you know, business. People be like, well, you can unionize private. Pla-. I was like, yeah, I'm going to unionize the giant privatized system. Like, it's frustrating. People just be like, just unionize. Like, yeah, it's just so easy. Take some people, like, 15 years to get a union, but I'll just, you know. Walk in. We're union. Don't fire us. <laughs> Put my foot down. Walk in like Daffy Duck. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what? like, no, I'm just going to quit. I'm not going to keep. <laughs> well, I mean, like you said, like, I mean, like, uh, in terms of like, why, 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 why is where are more Americans dead to this fucking disease than like any other country in the world? And, you know, it's like a, a lack of a, a truly universal healthcare system, but it's also a function of what you were saying, like, like all these problems are exacerbated by the people who are most responsible for like being like the thin thread that still like, you know, uh, stitches together like the, the, the basics of having a civilization. It's throughout the pandemic largely been the responsibility of nurses who even before the pandemic. No, it's bartenders. It, bartenders. <laughs> <laughs> the vanguard. Um, insanely overworked and underpaid. And like, are the, these shortages are happening because a lot of people, including you, are just simply, I've had enough of it. And I'm wondering like, if you could just share like, what, what brought you to that decision? Because I think one of the things that was moving about your, you know, the, the video you posted was about you know, how much you like doing your job and how much you care for the patients that you have. But the thing you said is that like, I can't do the job anymore because they've made us all bad at the job that we know we like and we can be good at. Yeah, that's definitely it. Um, we worked hard in school. Um, school for nursing is not easy. Anyone who does it will tell you that. Um, but you keep going because it's something you want to do. Um, when it's when staffing is the way it should be, it's pretty rewarding. You can see progress, and you can see people get better and be discharged. But like I said, when we're stretched so thin every single night, when I'm going into a shift and I got three patients right off the rip every shift and you know, these, some of the patients that I would have needed one-to-one care. They need just me and that one patient and I have two others. Someone's going to die, you know, and it's on me. And then doctors get, you know, pissy at me. Oh, you miss these labs at this time. And I was like, well, actually the laboratory canceled them for some reason. They're getting pissy at me. And I'm like, why don't you walk your ass over here and help me out with these patients if you don't want to see them tank in, you know, code before your shift is over? And that's not like very, super common. Um, most of the doctors I worked with are great, and they're just as worn out, if not more worn out, because they have to do a million things and you know think about you know so many patients. But it, it's it's like people you know that we start people will start lashing out at each other. It's like why aren't we going after the executives for this shit? You know. So I I couldn't do it at least bedside for a while. I can't do it anymore. It's just it's too tiring for you know thirty five an hour. They're exploiting you know what I can do, and I'm just you know signing death papers over and over. And it's like no, they're just dying. Like what? Why am I here? If they're just gonna die, why should I come to work? You know. And I mean, thankfully, I have episode one, so I kind of had that to fall back on uh, for or the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to get another job eventually. I don't know where I'm going to go. There's a lot of different avenues in nursing, which is very convenient, but I don't want to be in the hospitals right now. And, um, I hope other people are able to do the same. I hope they have spouses that can support them or some way that they can quit. And I want to see nurses quit and walk out. I want to see these, these companies and these executives realize that, they need us and we don't need them. You know, they're going to have to deal with the lawsuits. They can't go into that room. They don't know how to do shit. I had a chief nursing officer, one of the executives, who didn't even know how to do vitals. And it's like, dude, 
don't come to my unit when I have three patients with a cart full of granola bars. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he like, came by and he was like, is there anything we could do for you? And I was like, yeah, you could take my patients and I could go home. And he was like, oh, I don't think you'd be much help. And I was like, I know, dickhead. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> what but, a healthcare like, hero. <laughs> these are the people that like are so excited about their bonuses at the end of the year. And it's like, no, they're just suits. And they don't know how to run. They don't know what is needed to run a hospital. I also had people like commentating. I think I like saw here and there like the majority report covered my video, and I saw someone being like, "Yeah, well, when those when the ICU is full, those ICU patients are in the ER." And they get, some guys like, "I'm an ER nurse." It sounds like he's complaining like complaining about three patients is kind of a lot or something like that. And I was like, first of all, dude, I got pulled to the ER all the time. Whenever there's a code or like a level one trauma, the ICU nurses would go there." Or I'd get pulled to the, I, the ER just to work there because they were short staff, and I'd go help them and do things that they didn't know how to do. So it's not what drove me nuts is I saw people being like, why well, do this at my job? And blah, blah. It's like, it's not a competition. Like, we're all getting fucked over. That's my point. Like, it's not a ER versus IC or the floors or uh, nursing home nurses or like any of that. It's like, no, we're all getting fucked over right now. That's what I'm trying. They want us to fight each other. And get pissed off and say like it's so and so fault, but it's just you know it's the it's always the higher up as usual because they don't want to pay anyone. You are you are you're totally right. Um, but I should just admit right now I found an ER doctor who lives in my neighborhood and I shot his front door a bunch of times <laughs> because they were yelling at you. I thought they were all like together. I thought well, it, they're I pretty, it was a big thing. It's okay. Well, they are pretty lazy. Yeah, I mean, fuck doctors <laughs> anyway. <laughs> pay doctors less. <laughs> Yeah, spread the love. Give us some. <laughs> yeah. Give me a piece. Fuck doctors. Support nurses. Well, I mean, here's another thing. Like, um, I think like basically over the last like month or so, I feel like half of everybody I know has gotten COVID or at least tested positive for COVID. And who knows what that means anymore. And overwhelmingly, because, you know, like they're all vaccinated, it was not a problem. It was like, you know, a couple days of having a mild cold when you stay in and then you're fine. So, like, I'm just wondering, like, you know, you've, you've been through the, the height of it and now going into 2022. I mean, like, where do you think we're at now with, like, in terms of people's this sort of individual social responsibility matrix that people put themselves through in terms of their own behavior and judging others at this point? Like, at this state in the pandemic, like, as it regards masks, vaccines, like, how much, how much emphasis should individuals be placing on their own behavior and then also, like, other people's behavior at this point? Well, you're laying it all on me, Will. Yeah. <laughs> just one nurse. Just one nurse. Um, yeah, and honestly, whatever you say here, it dictates what's going to happen. Good. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just a nurse. I, I mean, obviously, no one really knows. But I got, like I said, I got vaccinated, like, the first, one of the first people to get vaccinated at my hospital when it became available last December. Um, when there's mask mandates, I wear my mask. If there's not a mask mandate, like in Michigan, everyone was walking around without them on. And I'm like, oh, I don't get pissed at people for not wearing a mask. I'm like, most people are vaccinated and especially if they're vaccinated. I'm like, I'm not going to be freaking out. And I think the people that love, there's like the both sides that annoy me because there's the people that won't get vaccinated. They bitch about wearing the mask and freak out because they want attention. And then there's the people like the liberals that love to scold people about all this stuff constantly. And um, they want to keep this charade going up because they like sitting at home and they like this whole theater of the past two years. They love it because they get to be self-righteous all the time. And I've had people scold me like a nurse that's been working in it two years um, for things like that. Like, oh, you don't wear your mask. Or like, you didn't wear your mask here. Or just like I've tweeted things that people get pissed at me. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, we can't sit at home forever. Everyone sort of a, should be, be like getting a, vaccinated. And if there's a place, I mean, most places are private institutions. If they have masks or if a county has a mask mandate, like mine has one right now, I'll wear my mask. But also you go into a restaurant, wear your mask, you sit down, you take it off like big fucking deal. Like it's 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 I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know what people want. I think they make it out to be a bigger deal than it is on both sides. You know, the scolds love it, though. The scolds love to be. uh Oh, so you just want everyone dead? I'm like, well, yeah, maybe. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, every time I'm in the airport, I just feel like, you know, if, if Captain Trips happened, I'd be okay with that. I mean, I just flew back last night from Detroit, and I still think it's kind of funny that we all, like, 
I mean, the, the, the airport's different because I guess you're so close to everyone, but it's like, we all got it, right? You know, we all got our vaccines or we all got COVID, right? And those who, who are going to get it, the dinky vaccine, I mean, just, well, I'll see you guys. I'll see you. The I won't see you at my work anymore. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you at work, but yeah. The, the airport's tough because it's like, I mean, yeah, on one hand, like, yeah, everyone's close together. A lot of them are like shittily ventilated. And people are disgusting. People are disgusting. <laughs> and it's also like, yeah, I mean, you're already you're already just getting like the dumbest person in the county the airport's in to just like molest you in front of your family and blast you with x-rays. So like what's another thing kind of Yeah. I mean, funny yeah. enough, I forgot but, my I I forgot my license when I flew. In Colorado, we have the digital license and an app that even like the police will accept. So I could use that a lot here, but I forgot my actual license to fly. They still let me through. But they do, they walk me ahead and do the advanced screening where they go through all my shit. They swab my shoes and all this stuff. And I was like, I was like, by the way, those were my work shoes. So you might find like some fentanyl or nitroglycerin on there. Just saying. (laughs) I'm a drug dealer. I spread, like spilled that shit all the time. Like I broke a bottle of propofol that shattered all over the floor one night. Like, I don't know. Like it it happens. But she goes, she's like, oh, we don't take that into consideration. We don't take uh, like word of mouth. I was like, I'm just telling you, if you see it pop up, I'm just telling you. I but, just, you know, I, I think there should just like, I mean, like the the thing with airplanes is funny because, yeah, it's like it's a tube where everyone's breathing the same air for like, you know, sometimes six hours. But then, yeah, same thing that happens with everything else where it's like, yeah, but you can take it off to eat peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't that, know. Yeah. I, I, and also some guys like say next to you wiping his boogers all over the seat <laughs> or just like, I don't know secretly coming under a blanket like yeah people are just gross in general like i don't know like a mask doesn't make me feel any better it's the, uh, it's, it's the mess building that not just not in airports but like on the airplane which like felix you said is a hermetically sealed soda can where everyone's breathing their same farts and they're yeah, like okay. no mask is gonna make me feel better you kind of just it's a socially accepted thing like we're just kind of all in this nasty miasma with each other's farts for hours on end i think like, like that's why they should let me like you should be able to like create a counter cloud of smoking or vaping. Yes. You should be able to smoke cigars, but only cigars on planes. Yeah. 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 And you should have to wear a suit. Yeah. No, tuxedo to fly. People don't dress up no more for the airport. Yeah. <laughs> but no, just the idea that like, yes, you can, you can pull your mask down to eat or drink. And I was just thinking over the holiday when I was traveling, if I buy enough food at Hudson Nudes, I can stay eating for the entire flight. Eating and drinking and have I'm my eating. mask down I was the, out the entire three-hour flight. Just buy a 12-inch sub and just take your time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. The social stuff has been really uh, tiring for me. And like I was saying earlier, like the people that talk about, oh, my job is scary too. I was like, no, I feel bad that, that people, you know, they have to do their jobs and they had to deal with all this shit the past years without hazard pay. But I also have not had a cent of hazard pay in the past two years. And we're the ones with this crisis in the labor uh, issues. We're the ones that see the deaths. That's like the actual like end of it all. And that's what everyone's so terrified about COVID anyway is the deaths. But I'm seeing this at work and I'm seeing these people die over and over again. And I realize no one really cares about the death. They're just going through the numbers every day so they can all argue and scold each other and have their theater. And it, it's not helping anything. It doesn't. None of these motherfuckers on Twitter or work from home people have helped me do my job. <laughs> the, the people that fear monger constantly all day long, they made my job harder. So I don't know. I don't I, 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 I hate everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what, what do you think about my idea, though? I mean, I don't think this is the only idea that can end the pandemic. I have another idea. It's a movie idea. But um, what if like just for the airport, there is an evil airline? Where there's not okay. just not just like no masks, there's like no security check, and it's just like Those whatever, yeah, whatever happens happens. You have to drink like four loco. Yeah, yeah. On the flight, they force it on you. Yeah, and it's like the, you you can have like there's a lottery where someone gets thrown off the plane. Yeah, <laughs> if you buy three seats, you can you can pick someone to get thrown off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, I don't like the way that guy looks. His eyebrows they suck. Throw them off. I think that would be kind of sick. Uh, several of the planes are swagged out convertible models. You really get that wind <laughs> yeah. rushing through your hair. All right, my my idea is that we bring back Barack Obama. We have like this giant waiver. We let him come back, and we could post the meme where he says, "Hold up, I got this." 
It'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, but he has gray hair now, and it's like, it's even... Oh, Silver yeah, Fox. Yeah, it's even sicker, because it's like he already had it. That other Epic dumb. Obama. Uh, him, and his new, him and his new vice president, Bruce Springsteen, renegades. <laughs> Do you think they fucked? I'm, I'm on fire just thinking about that. That's all I'll say. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying like they're gay. I'm saying like... Who knows what drugs? It's like Spartans. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like American Spartans, they're just they're going poggers on each other's holes, yeah. and it's like being a patriot. Well, well, like yeah, they both took GHB, and they're like, "What if we just did this one time and like didn't tell anyone?" <laughs> I think it's fine. Yeah. Speaking of uh, being patriotic and going poggers on each other's holes, let's close out this episode with and start the new year with a reading from Rod Dreher. Yes, folks. I, I know I feel bad dipping my dipping my pen into this inkwell maybe one too many times, but Rod just keeps coming out with more fire. And uh, here he is in the American Conservative talking about going poggers. Do you think he'll on miss souls? I think he might miss this time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no way. No shot. So. Uh, this is Rod. Uh, the, the the headline is queer as Volk, and um, uh, like this sort of interesting background to this is that he is talking about. I mean, um, the the online right over the last uh, week or so has had to do some serious soul searching, and by that I mean not because um one of their most uh, fervent reply guys killed five people, but that um one of their most fervent reply guys also knew that guy and did um uh, cuck pornography at one point in his career, so. They have, a, they have a lot to process right now. All right, so uh, this is um, uh, Roger Ayer writes, major craziness going on right now in a certain niche corner of the right. Do you know who Jack Murphy is? I barely knew of him until I saw him pass by the hallway at the National Conservatism Conference recently. He's a striking figure, very tall, bald, with a dramatic beard. Someone explained to me that he is a big figure in the manosphere and fronts a hypermasculine philosophy that at one point included polygamy. Uh, here, is this, here is a link to his self-description on his website, Jack Murphy Live. Excerpt. Men are being told that they can't and shouldn't take what they can because of patriarchy, because of feminism, because of the progressive mindset that the state is there to provide. The world always needs a villain. And today that villain is the white straight male who knows what he wants and is unafraid to get it. Be the villain. Embrace it. Be the villain so you can be the hero to your sons, daughters, and lovers, and eventually your community, nation, and the world. I was wondering why Jack Murphy, real name John Goldman, turned up at NatCon, but someone told me that he is a Lincoln Fellow at the Claremont Institute. Someone else told me that they thought he had recently turned to Christianity, but weren't sure. Is he still a polygamist, I asked? My interlocutor did not know. Why is Jack Murphy in the news this week? In part because Lyndon McLeod, the far-right mass shooter in Denver who wrote novels under the name Roman McClay, was allegedly a member of Murphy's private brotherhood called the Liminal Order. <laughs> ended on my street, by the way. <laughs> that shooting ended on my street. Yeah, so like, so like, this guy was like, a, like, like, a, like a manosphere like hanger-on and self-published novelist, and then he just decided mm -hmm. to kill his tattoo artist or something like that, and five other he, people. He's targeting women, then he got owned by a woman cop. Yeah, no, he got domed by, by a female. Another person who will not officer. see Valhalla. <laughs> yeah. I think says, that the, some of the people he killed, he, he wrote in that book about killing. So the secret is real. <laughs> it was it was a tattoo. I guess we all should have read that book. We would have known it was coming. <laughs> it was like it was a, in a tattoo parlor, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the places. It was like multiple uh crime scenes. Well, didn't like the FBI drop the ball on him just like no. you know, a million no, other that doesn't sound right. Oh no, no, are you kidding me? Yeah, you're probably right. Um, no, apparently he also. had uh some pretty close like interactions with FBI agents. I know. Uh, weird. <laughs> like, weird yeah, how that keeps fine. happening. How oh, this nerd everybody harmless. who shoots more than like a few people has like interviewed FBI uh, people b right beforehand or has had extended like contact with them. That's, they just thought his book was good. <laughs> like, now nah, just keep writing, brother. Do you ever think that like maybe just like a government and agency can be unlucky? Yeah. You know, yes. just give another chance. So, uh, so yes, yeah, his brotherhood, the liminal order. Uh, Rod writes, what's this liminal order all about? I suspect we will be finding out soon. 
Plus, a week or so, Murphy went on a chat show and was asked about an article he once wrote speaking on the pleasures, speaking of the pleasures of being a literal cuckold. He wrote about farming his girlfriend out to other men for sex. Jack Murphy did not appreciate the question. Don't click on this at work. He dropped several F-bombs. It turns out that back in 2015, Murphy, who now sells himself as, as, and his masculinist advisory services as an extreme chad, wrote a piece extolling the erotic pleasures of being a beta cuck. You can find this online. I'm not going to link to it. Some Redditors got busy digging and found that Murphy and his girlfriend had acted in a self-made porn broadcast in 2019. In the film, there is apparently a sequence in which the super-masculine Murphy impales himself with a plastic phallus while simultaneously pleasuring himself. This is not a rumor. Alas, I stumbled across the image online and can't unsee it. <laughs> I saved it just in case it gets deleted for journalistic purposes. I can't, I can't unsee this image that I made my background. <laughs> it's really that crazy. That he stumbled across. <laughs> <laughs> he stumbled across after spending three hours on Reddit. I want to. Um, I, I wonder what would happen if I showed Rod uh, Pants Dude. I think Pants Dude is like too nice. He has like too good of an aura. Yeah, it would be like giving garlic to a vampire. It I want to take to. I want to take Rod Dreher to the naked barber. <laughs> <laughs> Just let him get a fade, you know. Yeah. He, and he'd be like, this artistic performance by this wonderful barber. <laughs> I, can't, I don't think I can't get the image of of my out of my head of me grabbing the barber's dick. We we'll all fantasize <laughs> about it. I don't think I don't think the pants dude would be really Rod's type because uh, uh, earlier in the piece, remember he said he described running into him at the uh, I don't know the the, the NatCon uh, convention, and he uh, described him as you know a, a a striking fellow with like a you know an amazing beard and big muscles. Oh yeah, yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Pan, yeah, pants dude is like unassuming looking. He has the he has like a common genotype, but then he has an amazing two amazing talents, I would say. <laughs> He's got his own rod. He really does. That thing's a fucking dinger. That thing looks like a caveman club made out of flesh. <laughs> it looks like a yeah, it's like a baby holding an apple, you know, a baby's arm. That it's just like imagine walking through your apartment, like I hope he doesn't have like a bunch of vases and stuff. It's like, ah, oh, not again. He pants oh. himself and just knocks over his Criterion Collection Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> well, we said like, I mean, I think everyone agrees. The funniest idea is like a scientist, uh, like knocking over his science shit, like his beakers and stuff with his heart. That's on. actually how COVID uh, uh, leaked from the Wuhan right. Virology okay, yeah. Laboratory. I know. I, I was. He, he was trying to. He was trying to do the pantsuit video, and he knocked over knocked over a beaker that was labeled COVID nineteen. Do not touch. <laughs> Saving for later. Pants, dude. <laughs> I just think it'd be tight if he kind of put some. He took his his dork and dipped in some water. They took some crystal glasses and went Ooh, with his dinger like around the top, and he played like a symphony. <laughs> <laughs> or like he had like a Prince Albert and just like clink 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 clink. Ding, his xylophone. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. Oh my god, he could finally make. Ben Franklin's most bullshit invention, the glass harmonica. He could actually do something cool with that. <laughs> you think that's bullshit? Yeah. It's actually better than the light bulb, but whatevs. <laughs> people, people sleep on Ben Franklin's inventions. Uh, like, I don't really... People, someone probably made the Lazy Susan like five. years He also invented MDMA. People don't know that. That is true. Ben That's Franklin invented uh, uh, fucking fucking widows because you know you know <laughs> you know they know what they're doing and they're unattached. Yeah, he loved milfs. <laughs> he had wrote that letter to his younger friend, being like, "They're just so grateful." <laughs> it's like, damn, Ben. And I like all the French even wanted to dress like him. I'm like that guy. They're like, yeah, he's the best snus or snuff. He looks like a boss. He has the best hair. We all want to be this man. And Thomas Jefferson wanted to be too. Yeah, it was the this only time when like. They did like there was like a, a hundred year period where everyone respected epic fat guys. Yeah, it was like he was the Josh Gad of the, the Revolutionary <laughs> yeah. War. Uh, yeah, the uh, the grunts and squeals of the Conference Constitution were provided by Ben Franklin. <laughs> So it says, uh, back to Rod here, it says, um, so now we see that a far-right public figure whose entire personality and business model was promoting himself as a villainous straight white male, villainous straight white male, is rather more ambiguous about his straightness and his masculinity than he would have us know. 
Um, uh, Murphy has a history of sadistic writing and messaging. In 2015, he informed his readers that feminists need rape to solve the problem of man's natural tendency towards dominance and women to passivity and submission. And now there are images going around of his self-sodomization in a porn movie that he and his girlfriend did for money. A decade ago, Johan Hari, the gay left-wing British journalist, wrote an essay exploring the connection between homosexual men and fascism. It will be interesting to see how the Jack Murphy story plays out. <laughs> Rod is hoping for more more images. <laughs> Looks My like DMs one are more... open for any other <laughs> sleuths out there. <laughs> and he goes, "Looks like one more piece of evidence for the Weimar America thesis." Now, what I like about this Rod article is, I mean, obviously the fact that he said, "I clicked through all the links and cannot unsee what I saw." But it's just like this. In his mind, he either pretends to or doesn't get that it's actually not surprising that someone who's like a fucking bald, bearded muscle man who talks constantly about masculinist uh, supremacy would um, enjoy the pleasures of, as he uh, describes it, self-sodomization. It should it shouldn't come as a surprise, and in fact, I think it makes you more likely. But I mean, I, I do like that this whole thing was just like a a side note to the other guy that murdered five people. And the thing that there's like a big controversy is just like, oh wait, this other guy stuck a dildo up his ass one time. We need to have a come. To, we need to have a reckoning in our own. <laughs> wait, <laughs> hold it. Yeah, hold the phone. <laughs> well, like, okay, that guy murdered somebody. He was just a bitch. But this guy. <laughs> well, I I do. What is interesting about this article, and maybe it's like you know serial killers who kind of want to get caught, is that like Rod writing an article about far right like near like fascist uh, guys as he characterizes them who are into gay stuff. And it's like, Oh wait, you mean not you. <laughs> you're like, the, you're th these two guys, but not you. No, uh, it turns out that uh, like Jim Jones before him, Rod Dreher is the only straight man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. That's a, <clears throat> Uh, a fun little bit of Rod uh, to kick off uh, the new year. But um, I guess uh, we'll leave it there for today's show. I want to thank uh, Andrew Hudson for his his uncensored uh, uh, pure, uh, his uncensored view behind the veil Uncut. of the American <laughs> hospital. What they don't want you to hear. Doctors hate me because <laughs> they're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> ER nurses hate him even more because they're they're liars and cheaters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and also, like, they suck at Rainbow Six Siege. Um, they're not as cool as me. They don't dress as cool. No, nah, all nurses are cool, even though they all, some of them do stupid-ass dances for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> if you got time to do dances for TikTok, then you must live in, like, one of those states where they have, like, no one coming in that hospital, you know? They're in Florida, where Ron DeSantis invented antibodies treatments. So everyone's just in and out in one hour. Or or those nurses that do that, they got the right idea. They're like, we don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> They're just going to let it all let them all die. <laughs> Is Ron DeSantis dead, by the way? He hasn't been seen in public in a couple of weeks. What's going on with that? He has, he has mono. <laughs> <laughs> he got mono from his wife. No, I don't. Yeah, that's been a big thing. Um, his, I mean, like, his wife, like, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. I actually, like, I don't know if it's, like, really bad or it's, like, the kind where you, like, get lotion. Like, when my grandfather had skin cancer. Um, I don't know. I don't know anything about cancer. Enough. I will fuck him to cheer him up. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know. Yeah, it's been a big thing back and forth between the liberals and conservatives is, you know, if he has COVID or not. I don't know. I feel like if he had really bad COVID, we'd have heard about it. But you never know, I guess. Let's, I, I, I just assume I mean, that he's okay, like but he's vaccinated, so it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm more interested well, in Bolsonaro going back to yeah. the hospital for uh, his poop he disease. His, <laughs> his blockages are going to kill him, man. He's going to just get like a. He's just going to have a fistula form that just takes him up finally. Dude, imagine, I, most resilient yeah, man. Dude, imagine like you, like in his eyes, like what he thinks is happening. He's facing down against his greatest enemy. Like, Lula is his greatest enemy. Like, that's his nemesis to him. And it's not just, like, a personal contest, but it's it's a civilizational, like, existential fight. It's like, are, is Brazil going to be based or are gay college professors going to run the show? And during that, like, life and death struggle, 
you're like, oh, can you take me to the hospital so they can wipe me? <laughs> I just want to know what the fuck are his turds like? Does he have the blob inside him? Like, why does it keep he keep getting like this ancient clay within his intestines? It's just like, nope, got to get another NG tube, bud. Like, you just well, you just, I'm. He just needs at this point. He just needs a colostomy bag. Yeah. Straight up. And he might end up with one. The, I'm being serious. He might end up with a colostomy bag or two. Oh, uh, yeah. me bag. One for he's me got, to he's drink. Got a colo- he's got a colostomy <laughs> duffel bag. <laughs> he's gonna double- that gets picked apart in an emu attack, and he's just leaking shit everywhere. Double fisting. <laughs> double fisting. He's like, but you know what? We're not helpless here. Listener, if you're if, if you're hearing this right now, you can help. Please donate your shit to, to Comandante Jair Bolsonaro. <laughs> Please send it care of Chapo Trap House in, in, a, in a paper envelope. And, you know, if you have like a cat or dog or something, send some of their shit, too. You never know. Stool transplants are state-of-the-art medical technology. Um, yeah, like they do. They talk about the Brazilian butt lift. But we need the Brazilian turd transfer. <laughs> it's like a concrete mixer <laughs> pouring out into his asshole. You just add water. You mix it in. And it goes. You know how they have the NG tube goes into his, his, his nose to his stomach to remove. It sucks everything out. We need to do the other way for using those tubes where you give them food. We're going to just put straight poop into his stomach and intestines. Yeah. So it go, he's not a feeding tube, but it's just poop. Like, dog, he's... He's really, uh, he's really responding to this poop trip. Yeah, he's. We're doing like quantitative easing for poop with him. Like we're increasing <laughs> the M two shit supply in his stomach. Like I, I want to like. I don't even know what you do with him because like okay, the guy who stabbed him obviously didn't finish the job, but like really fucked his life up, like really bad. Clearly, yeah. Like I'd rather be, I'd rather just die from that stabbing than have to keep going to the <laughs> hospital for my poop nightmare. There, yeah, uh, he loves gonna... it. He loves going to the hospital. It's his favorite thing. <laughs> he gets the juicy juice and uh, <laughs> he loves the terrible food. Yeah, he's excited about all that jello. Uh, he loves the TikTok dances. <laughs> he like, um, yeah, I, I get. Are they going to have to put like a soft serve machine where he just like cranks something from his ass? <laughs> no, like, <laughs> like, like I said, I honest, he honestly might end up with just like a colostomy or ileostomy or both, depending on where it's at. I don't know. I don't know like all the details, but. That'd be something they might do. So he gets to walk around with his bags all the time, like Edward Poop Hands. <laughs> <laughs> There's this- no, no, I don't. I feel I, I, I'm not hating on anyone with those bags because it sucks. But for Jair Bolsonaro, he deserves it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah, he has those. He has to have it because of such a what a bad guy he is. Like <laughs> like that guy stabbed him because he's a bad. You guy. You know his stupid ass would let that shit overfill and they just keep popping, just bursting <laughs> all over him. <laughs> Oh I hope, my I hope god! It yeah. rolls over and it goes like whooping cushion, but it's it's actual shit that comes out. I, I hope I hope I hope Lula wins and um like institutes for Brazil one of those plastic bag bans, but only for colostomy bags. So he has to has a have has to have a cloth colostomy bag. <laughs> it's like an old lunch bag that you like let sit there too long. <laughs> just, you pick it up, it just falls through. Fuck. <laughs> he go yeah he's going to the store and he's like oh my god i forgot my reusables and he's just he's like juggling his own shit in those like shitty recycled plastic or paper bags some guy comes up and stabs him again but just in the bag so it goes everywhere <laughs> like, like a stucco knife <laughs> uh. There we go. I will leave but seriously, you good luck to Jair Bolsonaro. <laughs> We're rooting for you in your election, just like we did You're last the man. time. You rock, dude. We love we you. We want you to keep going to the hospital for 20 more years. Yeah. You're the man. Surviving, surviving COVID 30 times. We love well, you. We love your sons, especially. Maybe even more than you. You have the world's most amazing smile. <laughs> You're beautiful. We don't think we don't think that bald guy fucked your wife. That's a nasty. Rumor. No one thinks that. No one thinks that. No. <laughs> and if Didn't it did happen, happen Rod Dreher will find video of it. And he will <laughs> not get the image out of his yeah. head. And he's like, "Where's the dildos?" <laughs> <laughs> There's no ass play in this. What the fuck? <laughs> this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah. Heterosexual sex. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'm not right. writing about this. This shit isn't Weimar America. I'm not writing Rod about this shit. Rod squinting as modern going. Oh, missionary. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm Catholic, but <laughs> yeah, someone's someone's got to get a dildo up their ass for it to be Weimar. If we're, if so we're it, to get it would be worth writing about in the American conservative, you got it. We got to have some piss play. 
We got to have Jair's colostomy bag exploding on someone. And, oh, if he gets and we need bearded muscle a, yeah. men getting their asses stretched. What about one of those into a stoma? One of Jair's stomas? I bet Jair would love that. I, I like, um, just going back to Rod a bit, I like that it's like, he's like, that's what he thinks of when he thinks of the Weimar Republic, not like hyperinflation or political instability, but he's like, you know, colon stimulation. <laughs> the sounding. The main thing, yeah, sounding, all the urethra play, all the stuff we think about. <laughs> when we think about the Weimar Republic, and it's like, I've like, I've never related those two. <laughs> I've never, I've, I, those aren't the things I think about when I think of the Weimar Republic. I mean, look, if there are muscular, bald, bearded, kind of daddy men uh, playing uh, with their assholes and uh, pimping out their wives, that's a sign of fascism. And Rod will be on the case to document every single step on the march to our new Fourth Reich. They oh, should make him a, a January 6th investigator to see if like any any January 6th attendees did that. Dude, any of the January 6th insurrection offenders do ass stuff. <laughs> I need videos and pictures. Send them to Rod. Can we do Rod need the Rod? Can we do a deposition where they do it to me to see if they really do this <laughs> stuff? Just to demonstrate it. <laughs> he gets on the legal defense team. Your Honor, my client could not have done sounding. <laughs> I tried to put a paper clip in there and I could only you know it, shot it right was out. not taken shot right yeah. out shut up my eye. I have proof. I have the receipts from the ER visit. Well Happy New Year, gentlemen. I'd like to thank the two great healthcare heroes of our time, Jair Bolsonaro and Andrew Hudson. The only two. <laughs> oh and, and also uh, thank medical. And uh please subscribe to episode one, the best podcast there is. Absolutely. Episode one just did a Q&A. If you don't, then you don't give a shit about healthcare people. Yeah, you hate right? healthcare. That's right. Honestly, though, I mean, we've always said it, the fans hold us back. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying you should ditch those guys for a while. Well, thank you for having me on, boys. It's our Cheers. pleasure. It's always awesome. All right. Till next time, fellas. Bye-bye. Till Bye -bye. next time.